This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. Hello, I'm Josh. I'm here at the European Week of Astronomy and Space Science 2018 in Liverpool. And I have with me today Amy Tyndall of the University of Edinburgh, who is no longer an astrophysicist, actually. So this is quite an interesting interview. So what did you do? What are you now doing? I prefer to say no longer a practicing astrophysicist. <laughs> um, but yes, I did my PhD at Jodrell Bank, actually. I finished that in 2014. And ever since, I've just been working in public engagement and science communication professionally instead. Okay, so you are the editor for the magazine Popular Astronomy. So tell us a bit about that. What sort of things do you cover? So Popular Astronomy is the magazine of the Society for Popular Astronomy, which is just an amateur society that you can pay membership for and you get a bi-monthly magazine as well as some perks for um, meetings in London and such like. So yes, we cover a lot of things in Pop Astro, as we call it for short. So there's just news blasts from interesting things that have happened in the news in the past two months. We also have up to four feature articles covering a particular astronomical or space science topic. But there's also regular features as well, like you know backyard stargazing, got a, a section for young astronomers, phases of the moon for that month and things like this. So it's, it's a wide range of things, so it kind of appeals to all ages and professional levels. How did you actually get into science communication? I mean, obviously, we run a podcast here, and we're all very keen on chatting to people. But what's your backstory with how you've ended up telling people about lungs, I think it is, that you uh, <laughs> were telling me you now do? Yeah, my story's a little bit convoluted, we can say. So I did part of my PhD at ESO in Chile, European Southern Observatory. And when I finished that, I started working as an unpaid associate for the education and public outreach department. So it was not so much the public outreach, but a lot of the communications for the website and such, so writing a lot of content for them. But also during this time, I had a friend who also works for Pop Astro, actually, Mandy Bailey, who got me in touch with the guy who at the time was running a space news website, who was looking for writers at the time. So I got in touch with him. He started giving me regular articles. And from then, I started getting contacts for magazines like Astronomy Now, and I would just send a pitch for an interesting article. They'd pick it up. I'd write it, and obviously once you're on these people's radars, it's a lot easier to then get continuing work. So that was Chile. So I left Chile in 2015 and moved to Edinburgh, where I was working here and there in different roles. I was at the Royal Observatory of Edinburgh for 10 months in a public engagement role, but still doing sort of science writing, freelance on the side. And then when that role finished, because that was just maternity cover, I basically just fell in love with Edinburgh, didn't want to move, was kind of sick of the astronomer lifestyle of upping roots and moving every couple of years wanted to stay in one place so I said okay maybe I'd rather change fields than actually leave the city so that's when this job came up at the University of Edinburgh so it's still science communication still public engagement but now for a biomedical research group as you were saying all about lungs <laughs> and it's a really interesting group because it's a proper interdisciplinary group of scientists so physicists biologists chemists working directly with clinicians in the hospital in Edinburgh to develop a new diagnostic technology to be used at the bedside in intensive care units. Okay, I'm just going to completely derail from the um, astronomy theme and just ask you a little bit about what it is this diagnostic technology is, because you were telling me about it earlier, and it's really cool, and I just kind of want to share it. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, it's actually, when I first joined Proteus, it's the name of the team, after there's a film called The Fantastic Voyage from the 70s, where they shrink themselves and enter into a man's body to clear a blood clot in a little ship, and the little ship is called Proteus. So... The group's kind of named after that because they're miniaturising optical fibres to be inserted into the lung, basically. And they're developing the technology completely from scratch. So the fibre is actually a fibre bundle made up of an imaging fibre, 
so just you know as you would in astronomy which is kind of you know miniaturized looking down instead of up a delivery fiber for delivering what they call chemical smart probes and i'll talk about them in a second and the third one is a sensing fiber which detects oxygen levels and ph in the lung as well so the cool thing about this system with the the smart probes is that it injects like say that all sprays is liquid into the lungs which attach to bacteria in the deepest parts of the lungs this makes the bacteria fluoresce or glow and then depending on how they glow and like the lifetime of the glow we can then detect what type of bacteria it is and then know how to treat it accordingly with antibiotics and the cool thing is is that all that is done within 60 seconds of switching on the system at the bedside excellent are, are there astronomers aside from yourself that are involved in this because you you were talking about how this is sort of inverted astronomical technology as well. Is there anyone that has gone from this field of astronomy into doing the research? Yeah, actually, um, I'm potentially the third. So in Proteus, there was a lovely Italian guy called Dottore, who was before me, actually. And he worked on radio interferometry, so did a lot of work at VLTI, the Very Large Telescope Interferometer in Chile. So we nearly crossed paths, actually. And then there's a physicist called Rob Thompson, who's one of the PIs for Proteus, who was actually at this conference this week, actually talking about something called photonics that they use as part of Proteus, which is kind of beyond my knowledge level, <laughs> what he did present about it this week. So, yeah, I'm not the only astronomer actually involved in this. If you're a PhD student listening to this, Amy is a perfect example of what else you can do. There is a life outside of physics. Are you glad that you left astrophysics, or is that something that perhaps you would have liked to stay in? I'm always intrigued as to whether or not people leave out of choice and then regret it or want to come back would you consider coming back in terms of research no i think i pretty much knew from day one of my phd that i wasn't cut out for research and i think that's acceptable i think that's fine i think people need to acknowledge that it is okay to not be an academic i think there's such a stigma attached to that like you seem to be a failure of some sort if you don't go on to do postdocs and stuff and whatever and that's just not true in terms of astronomy public engagement I did admittedly stop that just out of circumstance, just because of lack of jobs. Because, like I say, I wanted to stay in one place, which makes it obviously a lot more difficult to find a position if they're filled. But I, yeah, I love my current job. It's actually nice to learn something new and kind of flex the brain cells a little bit more. Because it's all transferable skills. I know this is what your teachers bang on about at school and whatever else, but it is true. You know, you can easily pick up everything that you've learned from astronomy and transfer it to another field. And although it's a bit scary to start off with, like I was trying to desperately remember my A-level biology and chemistry, actually you ease into it and you realise that, you know, academic speak is essentially the same across all fields. And you just look for the experience of being able to talk to the public. So no, currently no regrets. Excellent. I'm going to wrap up now, but if any of our listeners are wanting to start getting involved in science communication or anything like that, is there any advice you would give to them? Any routes down which they could go, perhaps? depends on what kind of science communication certainly for writing it sounds obvious but you just need to write <laughs> and write a lot so don't be scared to email people with unsolicited emails saying i've got this idea for a story can i explain it to you because that's exactly what i do with astronomy now they do accept just emails from anybody who have stories so just send them a pitch explain your idea and if they like it they'll get back to you and it'll just go from there are you accepting any new writers for popular astronomy or anything like that Absolutely, yes. I'm definitely looking for new writers. This is my first month as being the editor, so it's kind of time for a bit of a refresh and a bit of, bit of change. So yes, if you want to write some either short news stories, which are up to 500 words, or feature articles, which are up to 2,000 words, then yeah, sure, do get in touch. You can email me at editor at popastro.com. 
Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Amy. I will let you go now, because I think you are currently running a stand upstairs, <laughs> and I've stolen you away from it.